For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we will be discussing the big geopolitical events of the week. But first, well, we learned that that illness that we started showing symptoms of last week turned out to be COVID. (laughs) Oh my God, no, you didn't. We did it. You freaking... Two and a half years, and we made it. (laughs) Two and a half years, (laughs) and we finally got the COVID... And not, like, everybody in the house got it. So. Oh, yeah. But look at me displaying, <laughs> me me being really strong and doing this from my bed. You're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. Literally, from the bed. They're like, no, please go to bed and let her <laughs> finish this, please. Oh, they do not say that, I promise you. <laughs> but, yeah, we've been held up in our bed all week, just... Um, putting out Instagram posts, trying to clue you in on what's going on on this burning planet of ours. <laughs> yeah, burning in so, more ways than one. So, you know, if my voice sounds funny, that's why. If his voice sounds funny, also why. So yes. there you go. Now you know. What is on your radar? <laughs> besides COVID, besides COVID, what is on your radar this week, sir? Oh, right. Russia, Ukraine, obviously. Um, <laughs> We are going to get into what happened in Poland um, this week. That was a huge, I mean, that yeah. kind of blew up right in front of our eyes for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, then we're going to get into um, an Iranian drone strike on an oil tanker, uh, which will lead us right into a British MI5 claim that Iran is attempting to kill or kidnap UK residents. Oh, Right. Yep, staying in the the kind of staying in the Middle East. We'll talk UAE, which is attempt has attempted on multiple occasions to manipulate U.S. elections. Uh, that report came out. Uh, we'll also talk about how the U.S. Army was fooled by the company uh, Pushwoosh. We'll get into why that's important. Um, but first, of, like that name just sounds stupid, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's it's a part of you know what the what their. Um, uh, what their code does, which is just pushes things to different communication. Okay, so. that makes sense. I was just like thinking, why was the army like, you know, push, whoosh, this sounds like a legitimate company. Yeah. Push, <laughs> let's use. Their, oh, we'll get into let's use the, their legitimate things that were going on with that, that <laughs> the army should have known about, but didn't. Um, well, you know, they're just about getting the cheapest 100 percent. yeah they just want the cheapest that's that's it cheapest that's it um so next week starts the world cup in Qatar. um i do know a few listeners that are going to the world cup and so i want to put out some more information okay cool and then i'm foregoing this week's history's mysteries to talk about what is going on over at twitter since elon musk took over and it does fall under the intelligence realm so okay it's not All just right. talking about Twitter. All right. We can, 
I'm just a little shocked there's no History's Mysteries, and it's taking me a second to process it. I'm going to go with It's the Brain Fog. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to have it next week, I promise. Okay. <laughs> uh, it'll be an awesome one. All right. Well, what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Yeah. So um, last week, you know, we talked about a huge victory for Ukraine as they liberated the Kherson region. Now, as expected, Russia retaliated and fired, uh, you know, hundreds of missiles on several Ukrainian cities, uh, which is the trend in the war in Ukraine. So when Russian forces are pushed out by Ukrainian military, the Russian forces allow that to happen. Then Putin calls for a complete bombardment of the most important infrastructures in Ukraine. And that trend could have gotten Russia into some trouble this week, right? Yeah. So if you're talking about what happened in Poland, yes, yeah. it could have been a uh, and, and was trending as a global disaster. Yeah, it was trending World War Three, right? Yes. And uh, luckily, a thorough investigation was done before any rash decisions were made from NATO, Ukraine or Russia. Yeah. And what exactly did investigators find in Poland? Now, so that's honestly the main story for the week, right? So let's start with the background. Um, this week, as I said, Russia bombarded various Ukrainian cities with ballistic missiles. During one of those events, an errant missile fell within the borders of Poland, killing two innocent farmers. I want to reiterate that the innocent people did, did die in this, and it's a tragedy no matter how you slice it. But um, what everyone wants to know is, where did the missile come from? So early on, U.S. intelligence reporting claimed a Russian missile had breached the Polish border, and it seemed as if that missile had caused the death of those two Polish citizens. But after an extensive investigation by um, mainly by Poland, but also NATO involved in that, yeah. we, we learned that it was actually a Ukrainian defense missile um, trying to protect itself from the Russian bombardment, or trying to protect Ukraine from the Russian bombardment that went awry. I've seen that Ukraine still denies their missile caused this tragedy. Will they be allowed to investigate with their own people? Well, uh, I'll first want to say that whether it was a Russian missile or a Ukrainian defense missile, it was an unfortunate accident. This was not a deliberate act. And that means it does not appear to trigger Article 5 from NATO. Um, so I want to be at the I want that at the forefront of everyone's minds. It was an accident. It's one of the tragedies of war um, as accidents happen in war. Now, let's talk Ukraine and Zelensky, because I'm seeing support for Ukraine wane because of this. Yeah. And, and it is Ukraine, and it is Zelensky's fault on this. So um, Zelensky has doubled down on a statement that it was not a Ukrainian missile, and he said he had asked the Ukrainian Defense Force, and they told him it was impossible that the, mis that the missile that struck was from Ukraine. And where do you lean on this? Um, so I've actually seen some of the pictures from the blast site and some of the open source investigation that happened. And it uh, it does appear to be a Soviet-made missile, so a Russian-made missile, that Ukraine uses as their anti-air defense weapon on the western side of Ukraine. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll get that info and I'll link it in the show notes, but... Um, as for will NATO allow Ukraine a seat at the investigation table, um, I don't think so, and I don't think it's smart to do that. Because yeah. if, if the roles were reversed, who's going to trust having Russia on the investigation? Yeah. So when, when that country is involved in something, you can't just let them in the investigation that could kind of screw around with that. 
Um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This needs to be as unbiased as NATO can be. Um, I think they're doing a great job there. I think Poland did a wonderful job with this investigation. Um, as soon as reports came out that it could be a Russian munition, first, there were calls on social media to jump right into the war. Um, even NATO countries were announcing their solidarity with Poland, which is yeah. a good thing. It's good to let people know where you stand. Um, and and that's great when the inevitable does happen. And that inevitability is that Russia attacks a NATO country. Um, also, we're talking about inevitability of Russia attacking NATO. It, this could be a deterrent to Russia now that they see all the NATO countries agree to the Article 5 parameters um, that an attack on a NATO country is an attack on all. So it could be a deterrent. So for now, NATO is still on the sidelines. Yeah, still sitting this one out, but make no mistake. I mean, we're on the cusp of a global war in Europe. We now know if Russia deliberately attacks a NATO country, there is going to be retaliation. Well, I'm also seeing some people question the investigation by NATO, saying they won't admit Russia actually launched the rocket on Poland because they do not want to get involved in a conflict. Is there any truth at all to that statement? Um, I mean, there might be some truth, but it's what I'm seeing that that's not the truth. Um, it's, here's why. So, as I said just previously, there were NATO countries like Estonia, um, Lithuania, so those Baltic NATO countries, they were very vocal that they were ready to jump in if the investigation proves Russia was intentional in striking Poland. Also, uh, watching Ukraine push back Russian troops and retake Kherson doesn't really instill the fear of Russia in any of these NATO countries. So mm -hmm. if there was a time to get involved, it, right now is the time to do that. Well, it certainly was a wild ride for a yes. few hours. Um, oh, man. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. I'm hoping this brings both countries to the negotiating table, and maybe we can find a peaceful resolution. Let's discuss a possible future conflict now with the drone strike from Iran. What exactly happened, and why is Israel involved? All right, well, start from the top again. So, an, an, like you said, an Iranian drone struck an Israeli-affiliated oil tanker. This was a. This mm. is not a government... Um, um, a government-owned oil tanker, sorry. So that answers the Israeli question. Okay, but was it an attack on Israel, or at least do the Israelis see it as an attack on Israel? Now, that's a great question. So it seems as if um, Israel took a back seat on denouncing this attack just a little bit. Um, they still denounced it, but they did uh, take a back seat at calling it a threat to Israeli sovereignty. Um, since it wasn't owned by the Israeli government. But the U.S. sure did make a, mis make a statement, um, almost said a mistake, which could have been a Freudian slip there. <laughs> um, but uh, General Michael Eric Carrilla, I've worked with General Carrilla before, so um, he's a good dude, smart guy, but he's the head of U.S. Central Command. And he said— When did you work with him? Uh, while I was out in Afghanistan. He was out there. Okay, sorry. Didn't mean to no cut worries. you off. Sorry, get to his quote. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this this unmanned aerial this well, this is what he said. Sorry, <laughs> I keep that in, but this is his quote. Um, okay. This unmanned aerial vehicle attack against the civilian vessel in this critical maritime strait demonstrates once again the destabilizing nature of Iranian malign activity in the region. Will the U.S. sanction Iran or punish that government in any way? 
I mean, we could probably see a joint effort with uh, Israel. Effort. Yes, I did. A joint, let me a joint effort. Let me try that again. Um, <laughs> so we could see a joint effort okay. with um, the U.S. and Israel, and it's we could probably see an attack on Iranian infrastructure. Ooh. So that COVID's I, got me. Yeah, I was about to say, is that is tongue tying? A symptom of COVID, because you got it. <laughs> I got it. Put that on I'm there, st- WebMD. I'm still, but honestly, I'm still struggling to understand what the goal of this strike was. It's an oil tanker. Were they trying to disrupt oil distribution, or? Like- um, yeah, it's possible that. I mean, that's the most logical goal, right? Um, mm-hmm. But another theory was that Iran wanted to disrupt the World Cup celebrations. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, or at least cause concerns from various countries participating in the World Cup. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Sorry, you were, you were going to ask another question. No, I was just about to say the Qatar World Cup is already, like, a dumpster fire. Yep. We're going to get into that. So, okay. Um, that's, all, that's all I wanted to interject. I wasn't even, I was going to wait, but. No, that's you perfect. You called me out, and I had to no. say it. No, that was perfect. Um, Now, Iran denies they even carried out this attack, uh, but there was some investigation done that it's one of their Shahid um, uh, kamikaze drones. Mm -hmm. Now, also, Iran is in the World Cup this year. They'll be playing the United States two weeks from now, Um, and we're going to talk about all that later in the episode. Well, if we're going to discuss it later, let's move on and continue talking about Iran. There was a British intelligence report this week that had many concerned. Um, MI5 stated Iran has attempted to kill or kidnap at least 10 UK residents. There are so many questions, but first, is there validity to this report? Yeah, the intel is valid. So this comes from Iranian journalists based in the UK saying they have been targeted by Iranian spies working in the UK. I'm going to say the UK a lot in the next like minute so get ready for that um now you're also correct that a lot of questions come up with this um are there spies still active in the uk yes that's a it's one question there's an answer are they still actively trying to kidnap um uk residents from iran yes um should everyone in the uk live in fear of being kidnapped no only if you're iranian so that's the impression that I get. I get <laughs> yeah. this impression that the directive from Iranian intelligence is mm-hmm. to kidnap an Iranian living yeah. in the UK. And why do you assume that specifically is what's going on here? It's mainly because the repercussions of kidnapping a UK citizen not affiliated with Iran would be severe for the Iranian government. Yeah. Now, if you kidnap an Iranian residing in the UK, let's say a journalist, that could be spun by the Iranian government as part of an extradition attempt. Um, so Iran could fabricate a crime and then say they needed to arrest that person and did not trust the UK authorities, who they don't trust for real, yeah. um, to do that, uh, to, do, to make that arrest. Um, now, it's going to still be seen as a malicious act by the UK, but it would not incur the type of sanctions that holding a UK citizen hostage would invite. That makes sense, I guess. But moving along, okay. but staying in the Middle East, a close U.S. ally was 
involved in U.S. election meddling, or at least that is what the reports have been saying. What's the latest? Yeah, so I'm going to start by saying this is from a classified report. Um, so we we don't have all the information or at least cannot divulge the entire report. But we're going to do the unclassed version here, as always. So yeah. um, the Washington Post reported late last week that the UAE made a concerted effort to include legal and illegal measures to try to influence U.S. foreign policies uh, or foreign policy in ways that would benefit the United Arab Emirates. There are legal ways to meddle in elections. Uh, yeah, that's how broken the U.S. government is and how broken the U.S. election cycle is. Um, gerrymandering. Ger- yeah, there's all <laughs> kinds of things. So yeah. now the report found that the United Arab Emirates worked throughout multiple administrations dating back to the Obama administration hmm. um, to take advantage of vulnerabilities, including U.S. reliance on campaign contributions uh, predisposition to lobbying firms. We have a very bad, um, there's a very bad thing that the government allows with lobbying. Um, yeah. that's, that's for a different podcast. Uh, but also there's a lax enforcement of disclosure laws that are designed to prevent foreign interference in U.S. affairs. And all that is legal. Well, with, uh, with a lot of money and a good lawyer, anything is legal in the U.S. Ugh. <laughs> we both know that. Yeah. Now, uh, national security staff are aware of some of the activities that this report describes, but the operations remain in effect because the federal government has not reformed foreign influence laws or, you know, they haven't provided more resources to the Justice Department. So um, election meddling is not about changing votes or forcing people to elect a particular candidate. Um, It can be that, but it's not just that. Sometimes election meddling can look very similar to simple everyday acts like lobbying, um, <laughs> simple everyday acts like buying influence. Yes, yeah, it happens every day. Um, mm-hmm. We should be very careful during election cycles that we aren't being influenced by misinformation just because it aligns with our biases. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we have to do the work journalists are supposed to be doing mm-hmm. because humans are easily manipulated by anyone who holds a similar worldview. Like yep. if it bolsters what you already believe, you'll be like, yes, that's it's got to be true then. Yep. <laughs> with, with that, let's stay in the U.S. and continue to talk foreign influence. Oof. You were not surprised when you saw the report about Push Whoosh being a Russian-held company. Can you talk about what happened there and why you weren't very surprised? Yeah, I'd love to. This is what I've been waiting for. Because it's the realm that I work in, emerging technologies and and trying to identify if the U.S. Army needs it. That's just the latest thing that you work in. Like, what are you talking about? That was not even part of, that was not part of your job description. I made it part of my job description because I am passionate about it. Okay. (laughs) So, um, first, sorry, call me out. No, I wasn't going to call you out. I was just going to say, like, like, you're... Whatever you do, it changes, kind of. Yeah, it's it's all dependent on... Because, I mean, you know me, I like looking towards the future and, and seeing how what we're doing right now is going to affect the future. But, and, like, your company kind of... I mean, the people that you work for kind of ask that you take this mantle. Yeah, definitely. emerging technologies and stuff. But it's just, like... So when people ask me what you do, 
and I say I don't know, I literally mean it because it changes from year to year. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, not even, oh, you don't talk to your husband about what he does? And I do. I do, but it changes every, <laughs> like every few months. He's like, hey, I'm doing this now. I'm leaving so, after. So let's get back to push whoosh. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, I did it again. Tangent. Um. So what uh, Pushwish is a uh, customer engagement platform that mm-hmm. makes omni-channel messaging easy. So okay. what does that mean? It it means it allows marketers and product managers to send push notifications, in-app messages, email, SMS, and WhatsApp in, uh, messages from one singular platform. So they are evil. Yes. Like it's push notifications? Yes. Like allowing them to get you from all sorts of different platforms that's evil i hate push (laughs) notifications you hate apps well yeah that's true i do hate apps i have like three apps on my phone (laughs) and he's laughing because he knows it's true and And i I have three thousand he's got all the apps for everything on his phone anyways sky sorry that doesn't sound like something the army really needs, though. That's really weird that the army. Yeah, well, know. so it's not that the U.S. Army or even the CDC, which was called out in in the report, were using um, push wish proper, like just gave money to the company. Yeah, um, it's just the company that create. So push wish is the company that creates the code to allow apps to have this multifaceted communication experience. Mm. Um, this is really helpful for the U.S. Army because, um, in general, communication is lacking in in the U.S. military as a whole. Hmm. It's not a secret. It continues today. It continues every day. Not a secret, yeah. Um, but this is especially true at sites like, um, these are physical sites like NTC, the National Training Center in California, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where access to, so it's in the middle of the desert. And access to Wi-Fi or cell service is very limited. Well, can you explain exactly what happened here? Why did the U.S. Army not know this company was based in Russia? Although I still am not understanding why they want... I don't know. I don't yeah. understand this. <laughs> well, it was I really the, So the applications that the U.S. Army was was purchasing and using had yeah. the code um, from Push. So, so they when, just wanted the code. Yeah, so it's, it's in... All it's in a lot of these communication applications. Okay, I see what you mean. And so okay. when the investigation is done into it, and they see, oh, who created this code? It's Push Whoosh. Oh, where are they from? They go on LinkedIn. Oh, it's a Maryland DC based company. Um, okay. But I will say now that's called due diligence. When you go into an application, find this kind of code, and then figure out where it's coming from. And the U.S. Army did not do their due diligence. That oh. that has to be a fact. Um, they, they took the company at its word. So on LinkedIn, the company is said to be based in the U S with an office in the district of Columbia in Washington, DC. Of course. They even had photos of various high ranking push employees. Um, so they used LinkedIn accounts purportedly belonging to two Washington DC based executives named Mary Brown and Noah O'Shea to solicit sales to the U S government. Now, Neither Brown nor O'Shea are real people. So the picture <laughs> of Mary Brown was actually of an, of an Austrian-based dance teacher. And that was um, taken by a photographer in Moscow who actually said she had no idea how it ended up on the site. 
Oh my gosh. Now the founder of Pushwish is Max Konev. Um, and he acknowledged the accounts were not genuine after they did the investigation. But he did say that Pushwish, uh, this wasn't something that was done um, nefariously or evil. He had just hired a marketing agency in 2018 to create them in an attempt to use social media to sell Pushwish and not as a cover for Russian intelligence. Does this happen a lot in the U.S. government? Oh, yes. Um, and it, it even affects U.S. intelligence agencies. So there have been hundreds of reports of malicious hardware and software from many adversarial countries. Um, over a decade ago, the U.S. intelligence community was rocked by reports that thumb drives purchased from the uh, GSA, the General Services Administration, which is mm -hmm. just the site that the military has to purchase things from. Yeah. Because they say it's vetted and sure, it's yeah, made in America. Right. Well, these thumb drives were actually encrypted with Chinese code that hacked classified military systems. Um, so they still haven't learned their lesson. And honestly, as far as the U.S. government goes, we just put a Band-Aid on things and carry on. Band-Aid over a bullet hole. Yep. Literally, sometimes. What, uh, was, what was the Band-Aid? So in the thumb drive incident, the Band-Aid was we are no longer allowed to plug in a removable device to any government system. Oh, that's, that's what they learned. Yep. And, and okay. that does not solve the problem. No. Because the main problem is the U.S. government will purchase things at the lowest cost without worrying mm -hmm. who or where that service is coming from. They're like, that's that we'll cross that bridge when we come to it kind of thing. Exactly. They kind of hope. Yeah. Which, oh goodness, that's so naive. That is definitely just a Band-Aid. I'm sure we'll see more stories like this because oh. we just are determined to not learn our lesson. So let's move to the World Cup because you have to discuss sports once a month or you're going to explode. This is true. I try to just do it with you, but you've gotten mm -hmm. tired of it. So now I'm going to do it with the now listeners. Now he's going to Well, <laughs> luckily this ties into your job. Otherwise, I would not allow it. I know. Always keeping me on topic and and true to what this podcast is about. Uh, I, like you said, I do have a valid reason for this. Um as I said earlier in the episode, we have a couple of listeners that I know will be attending the World Cup. And Who? so I, um, it is, I can't okay, say never mind. names no, yeah, right okay, now, never but mind, never mind. I'm just sorry. a few. I just, I just didn't know this. This is news <laughs> to me. Breaking news, guys. Breaking. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I do want to put out some information for those guys, help them stay safe. Um, also, I want to talk about it because this year is... Uh, the best chance in a long time that the United States has to get pretty far in the World Cup. Should be a fun time for anyone who's going to be at the various watch parties. Okay, well, what information do you want to put out there? Okay, so first, the World Cup is going to be played in the Arab Gulf country of Qatar, which is a beautiful <coughs> country. There's lots of things to see and experience, but I do have some concerns about the security during the World Cup. Those concerns uh, with Cutter hosting the 2022 World Cup falls within two realms, cybersecurity and physical security. Can you explain the two concerns and what people may be faced with if they are going to the World Cup? Sure. So I'll start with the physical security because that's one thing that everyone's going to come in contact with. Yeah. Um, now, I have concerns with the way Cutter has established their physical security. 
They're bringing in security forces from multiple different countries, which could lead to abuses of power by those security forces. Mm -hmm. Now, another thing is, as we all know, Qatar is quite a socially conservative country. Mm -hmm. um, has extremely conservative laws that will be enforced during the World Cup. Just a quick break from this. There was reports that alcohol was going to be served during the World Cup. They just came out today and said no alcohol will be served in the main yeah. stadiums, um, even though the, the rich sweets that are uh -huh. being bought up will have alcohol. Of course, because if you have money, you can pay for anything you want. Money means lawyers means you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, oh, man. Sorry for bringing it down. So this, that stuff is going to be a concern for people in um, counterculture that we talk about a lot, as well as the LGBTQ community and individuals within that community. Yeah. So if you fit into any of those demographics and you choose to go to the World Cup, I'm not saying don't go. Yeah. Um, but please keep a low profile. Uh, FIFA, which is the overarching agency for um, European soccer or football or soccer and Qatar, will not want to create an international incident and could very quietly detain individuals that go against the norms of the society there. Um, an individual could very well end up in jail for a long time because they're doing something that seems perfectly normal in the country they're from. That is quite a big concern. What if someone wants to, I don't know, protest or make a statement to highlight their cause? Hey, that's, that's a great question. That, yeah, using the platform of the World Cup. Yeah, and I, I always tell people, if you want to speak out against something, definitely do it. Um, there are repercussions to it, but, mm -hmm. but do it. Now, we as Americans, in my opinion, take for granted free speech. Yeah, we, we do. think that happens everywhere. Uh, I will tell you this, Cutter does not have that. Um, in fact, in 2020, Cutter approved a new law which authorizes the imprisonment of, and I'll quote the law here, Anyone who broadcasts, publishes, or republishes false or biased rumors, statements, or news, or inflammatory propaganda, domestically or abroad. Oh, wow. Yep. With the intent to harm national interests, stir up public opinion, or infringe on the social system or the public system of the state. So that is something to understand before you go to Qatar. Um, and before you, you enjoy some very good international football. So not only do like cutter citizens not have free speech in country, they also kind of made their laws say you can't speak out about them in other countries either. Yeah. Let's say some, uh, Qatari national is on CNN talking about how terrible cutter is. Yeah. Um, they could be arrested in another country by Qatari officials. Stuff we're seeing that's happening with China, right? Yeah, yeah. The Chinese police their, stations. Their little secret police stations that yes. are apparently popping up all over the place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what about the cyber concerns? Uh, yeah, so as early as this week, the European Union claimed Qatar's World Cup apps, their applications for your phone, pose a massive privacy risk. And they said, don't download them. Okay. Um, the Germans claim data collected by two Qatari applications that visitors are being asked to download go much further than the application's privacy notices indicate. Uh-oh. German authorities said this. 
Uh, one of the apps collects data on whether and with which number a telephone call is made. Um, the other app actively prevents the device on which it is installed from going into sleep mode. Oh, wow. Yeah, they said it is also obvious that the data used by the applications not only remain locally on the device, but are also transmitted to a central server. Are the maps mandatory to download? Uh, some are. I do believe there is a, um, when I did the research on this, there's a mandatory app to download that will hold your World Cup tickets uh, in order for you to enter any venue that goes along with like COVID vaccine passports and stuff like that. Then what should people do if those apps are collecting data and could potentially use that data for, I don't know, something nefarious? It's a similar advice that we give to people going to countries like China. If possible, pick up a prepaid smartphone without any personally identifiable information, or at least very little information on who you are. <clears throat> yeah. Um, don't use that phone to call friends and family or interact with people you meet in Qatar. Only use it for the World Cup apps. Um, now, that's not a perfect solution, but you don't have to be perfect to stay safe out there. Well, awesome. That sounds like good advice, getting a separate phone from your personal phone and just use that for your apps. I hope that that helps people who are looking to cheer on their team in Cutter. Go Team uh, USA. Now you said you <laughs> wanted to get into what is going on with Twitter because we're skipping history's mysteries. Today. I am very sorry, guys. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. How does that fit into the world of intelligence analysis? So um, Twitter has actually become a treasure trove of information since it was established. And it is the most important social media site for open source investigations. Yeah. So through Twitter, we saw Russia held accountable for their disinformation campaigns. Um, it is the site where we first started getting hints that Putin was ready to invade. So it's a very important intelligence site. And what is going on there that you'd like to talk about? Well, as with anything, people are only discussing Twitter right now through the lens of their political affiliation. Yeah. Now, I'm sure everyone listening knows Elon Musk purchased Twitter saying he was going to improve the company. So those who see Elon as a far-right internet troll claimed it was going to be some new misinformation site. And then those that consider Musk a genius businessman saw it as a step forward for freedom of speech. Do you want to talk about where you stand on that spectrum? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm completely outside of spectrum. Yeah. I honestly don't believe either of those two things about Musk. Yeah. I just stand where I am fascinated by the conversation, and I think people are missing the real reason why all this matters. All right, then explain why you believe it is interesting and matters, in a geopolitical sense, of course. Yeah, so I really got interested um, and I, I'll say that caveat all of this with today, the what's trending on Twitter right now is Twitter is dead, um, which is also fascinating. Twitter is dead is trending on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So everyone's going to Twitter to say it's dead. Doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. So but, Twitter's still alive with Twitter right. is dead tweets. <laughs> right. Twitter's alive with Twitter is dead tweets. We got it. Um, so uh, I... But really what got me interested was the reports about Musk changing the blue check mark, which is supposed to tell people that the person tweeting is verifiable to the person or company tweeting the information. Mm -hmm. So last week or a couple of weeks ago, 
It appeared the official Twitter account for the company Eli Lilly, which makes insulin products, makes a bunch of health products, but they make insulin products. It tweeted that it was going to make insulin free for everybody. This statement on Twitter actually came from an individual that paid $8 to get a verified blue check mark in order to impersonate the company's Twitter account. And that mm-hmm. sent the company's stock into a free fall, and they lost billions of dollars. That is just incredible that one person could tank an entire company's stock with a tweet. With a tweet. And let's get into why. It is, it is fascinating. It's incredible. It's disheartening. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's because it highlights something that's more, even more concerning to me than being able to impersonate a company on Twitter. Okay. Uh, we as a society lack critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. How is it that even the board members for the company <coughs> believed that that tweet came from their company? For real? Was, yes. Yeah, they started okay. selling stock of their own company. Because there was no due diligence done. Wow. We're like the U.S. government here. Um, it's, it's frightening that we've gotten to a point in our society where we just let a blue check mark verify things for us. Yeah. It proves to me, at least, how important intelligence analysis is if it's done properly. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. It took me two seconds to realize the tweet was not from the actual company. If you click on the company name and look, uh, I'm going off topic here a little bit. <clears throat> but it's okay. If you're on Twitter and you'll see a username, you know, let's say Eli Lilly, um, you'll see it got a blue check mark. Now, underneath it is the actual username, which will be whatever, but it cannot be the same as the company. Mm -hmm. So, what happened was underneath it was Eli Lilly underscore, which showed that was not the actual company Twitter site, Twitter username. Yeah, because they don't have an underscore. Yeah. And you can validate that through the real company Twitter username. That's insane. How does a high-ranking official, high-ranking executive in that company not realize that? I do not know. Yeah, I don't either. It's one of the negative effects of this whole blue checkmark or verified checkmark thing. Yeah. when it Which all is a started, scam, obviously. Yes, this, that is what this proved. I think people are getting it all wrong on this. What it proved is so many people that I, I mean, obviously, I don't know every famous person who deserves a check mark, but they just have like freaking medians from the Midwest to like go to like tiny shows, but they have a freaking verified check mark and can like, put information out. Yeah, and I can get a verified check mark if I want to. You can definitely. Like, it's just. They just give it to you. Okay, sorry. Finish. Now you got to do it for eight bucks. But (laughs) yeah, no thanks. um, So, what that is doing is it's allowed people on social media (laughs) to forego critical thinking skills Uh and just believe what is being put out because the person that said it was verified. So, I mean, I love what's going on right now. It's kind of a love hate relationship to it because it is showing that what we, what you and I are trying to do here is very important. because of critical thinking skills, putting information out there and letting people come to their own conclusions of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I am old enough to remember when it was a joke that everyone just believed something because it was on the internet. Now that's becoming part of the human condition. Like my girlfriend's a model. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. <laughs> that great. That was a, such a great commercial. That was a great commercial. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> 
so what happens here is someone with a check mark on Twitter tweets it out, so it must be true. And mm-hmm. this happened even before Musk took over. That that's what people were doing. So it's my opinion that Musk has not created an avenue for misinformation. He's just exposed it. Whether that's good or bad, I'll leave that to everybody else. You can form your own opinion on that. Yeah. Um, also, whether that was intentional or not remains to be seen. Well, I guess we'll see how that plays out since we have nothing else to do and we all still have COVID. We'll just sit in bed and wait to see how Twitter unfolds. <laughs> yeah, and if Twitter's dead. Um, and if it's Twitter's still dead. running right now. I, I keep yeah. running the, um, you know, going to see if the site is down. Mm-hmm. Still up. So we'll okay. see what happens tomorrow. Well, we'll see how that plays out in the near future. Is there anything else for this week? After that, we are definitely out of time this week. Well, as always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And as always, if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please subscribe to our community at oakwindanalytics.com or... Visit us on Instagram at yeah. Oakland Analytics. Please go over to the, the Instagram account. We're getting a lot of a uh, lot of good interaction from people. Some, yeah, some... I love seeing so like it's mainly people like international, and I yeah. I like that. I, I love everyone's comments, no matter how well, you know, professional know. or we, unprofessional they may be. We saw a pretty trolly comment the other day that got luckily Instagram blocked it, but it was pretty gross. Yeah, we won't we won't go into that one. Um, also, like, I owe like a couple people an email. Now. What? On talking about um, the the stories from last week. Uh, not last week. From two like weeks two ago. Weeks ago. Sorry, guys. The COVID really did push us back a few weeks. So yeah, the COVID ruined everything. Yeah, and my broken foot. Um, oh but, yeah, you did. Yeah, and some other things, but you definitely. Know. Um, I will say. In light of all of that stuff that's happened this week, more so than any other week, Tiana, thank you so much for being here with me. And until next week, stay safe out there.